You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On today's episode of Daily Notes, we journey back to 1998. We celebrate the 25th anniversary of three films. We also celebrate my 34th birthday. I'm old. Hello! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Say hello to my little friend! Beetlejuice. We are the Commando Elite. Everything else is just a toy. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You're just an old hacker like me, but disguised as an idiot. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. And here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films with you guys. Really looking forward to talking about these three films that we are celebrating today. Celebrating 25 years. Really excited to uh, discuss these three films. Our first films that we're going to talk about today is our headliner review. It stars Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. That is Rush Hour, uh, directed by Brett Ratner. Really fun rewatch. I'll be having a ranking, a little quick little sh- uh, YouTube short video, if you will, uh, dropping on YouTube in a couple days. So make sure you uh, make sure you comment on that video and let me know your guys' ranking of all three films. And uh, we're also going to be talking about a first-time watch with Johnny Depp, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I don't know why I've never seen that movie. Uh, it's one of those oversights that I've just missed out on, but really excited to dive in and kind of talk about that movie. It's pretty weird, pretty out there, and probably pretty. It's kind of fitting that I'm stumbling over my words here because of how much uh, drugs they did in that movie. It, it, it maybe it rubbed off on me. Who knows? But really excited to talk about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And our final one because it's my birthday weekend. Uh, 25 years ago, I went to see a little movie in the theater for my birthday with my dad and he embarrassed the crap out of me. And I'll share that story on the review spice world starring the spice girls. Yes, it, it has to be done. No other podcast. will be talking about spice world this year. I guarantee it. Uh, there may be one who knows, but we are talking about spice world this year on daily notes. Really excited to dive into that movie. We might have two reviews possibly dropping on the, the channel at some point on the, the podcast stream that is. So, Perfect segue right there. If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys subscribe. If you're listening to on YouTube, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We're so close to 400 subscribers. Make sure you guys uh, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Citra, Pandora, Anchor, wherever you type in Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. We're probably on that that stream there. We're also on Twitter at Almost Sideways. Uh, But also, one last plug here before we really jump into it. We are dropping, um, not this Saturday. But or not not this Sunday, but the the what day is that? The nineteenth of February. As I look at the calendar, the nineteenth of February, we're doing the Almost Sideways Movie Awards. That's our thumbnail right there. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm uh, really excited. Uh, we're going to reveal our nominations. Uh, I'm gonna yeah nominees, and we're going to discuss. I'm a battle of wits as to who actually wins this category. Really excited to do it. First annual Almost Sideways Awards, so nothing could go wrong. I feel. Uh, but anyway, we're really excited. Um, if you guys are listening at home or watching this, make sure you guys check the show notes down below where you can find each film, uh, each film or where they're streaming at so you guys can watch along with us. One of these movies aren't streaming anywhere. I had to go buy a copy of it on Amazon. But needless to say, just check the show notes down below. There's that. So without further ado, let's jump into our first review. 25 years ago, a little film called Rush Hour starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker hit theaters. So let's talk about it. If you want the girl back alive, listen and do not talk. The drop will be made tonight, 11 p.m. 
the amount will be $50 million. $50 million? And who do you think you kidnapped, Chelsea Clinton? Detective James Carter <laughs> loved his job just a little too much. You destroyed half a city block. That block was already messed up. And you lost a lot of evidence. Still got a little bit left. But the job got a little too dangerous. You have 29 minutes left. I got everything under control. Bye-bye. I want to speak with my daughter. Ah! I was about to get his daughter back and you screwed it up. I would like one of my people to help. Now it's time to bring in the master. Please tell me you speak English. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I don't want no partner, I don't need no partner, and I ain't gonna never have no partner. Did Kojak have a partner? Yeah, the fat guy. Did Columbo have a partner? Look, no, 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 no. You put your own bag in the back. I'm not a sky cat. Ah, bitch boy. Oh, hell no. Don't you ever touch a black man's radio, boy. They're two cops with nothing in common. Do it again. Like this. Except the case. Hello. You have one more chance. They can't walk away from. Agent Carter is a very passionate about finding your daughter. Which one of y'all kick me? From New Line Cinema. The fastest hands in the East. Wow. Meet the biggest mouth in the West. Just received a threat on the building. We ask you, please exit the building. Do not panic. Jackie Chan. I can't hold that anymore. Just hang on, man. I'll be right back. Oh. Chris Tucker. FBI. Take a picture. It's okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rush hour. We can hang my crib. I will show you my hood. What the hell did you just say? Rush Hour, directed by Brett Ratner and starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Now, do you guys remember this film at all? Let me know in the comment section down below what you guys think about the film. And make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe here on YouTube as well. So Rush Hour came out in 1998. So 25 years ago, mind you. Man, I remember when this movie hit theater. And I remember watching it countless number of times. But it did drop on VHS and DVD eventually. So if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, it is rated PG-13. It has an hour and 38-minute runtime. And essentially the plot here is we see this young uh, Chinese consul's uh, daughter get kidnapped. So the consul has to kind of reach out to an old friend in China, Detective Lee, to come over here and help out another detective from the LAPD, played by Agent Carter, and uh, kind of trying to help find their daughter essentially. A really awesome seeing Jackie Chan team up with Chris Tucker. It's a kind of a match made in heaven in a way. It's kind of an odd couple pairing. It's something that shouldn't work, but actually really does. I remember watching a film, uh, my, my first introduction rather, before I go up into Rush Hour, my first introduction to Jackie Chan was a movie called Mr. Nice Guy. Now, I really liked that movie a lot. I, I got that for Christmas one year and that was for my parents. And I remember watching, I was like, this is my first introduction from Jackie Chan and I really enjoyed that kind of action movie. I was really enthralled by how he was able to take different 
pieces of scenery and props around the sets of the, wherever he's fighting and be able to use that to his benefit. It's such a unique way of fighting. And, and I had never seen that to, at that point. So having him coming to in rush hour and interacting with this guy, Chris Tucker, that at the time I've never seen of anything from his, I just knew that he was kind of talked a lot and from the trailer that is. And I'm really, I was like, I was like, how is this going to work? This is going to be kind of interesting. And it paid off in spades. I, Thoroughly enjoyed the chemistry between Chris Trucker and Jackie Chan. Even after this rewatch, I think it works really well. There is definitely some lightning in the bottle vibes. I think that's probably perfect casting between the two actors. You get a really kind of quiet, uh, quiet performance in Jackie Chan, which with the subtle humor that he throws in there as well. But you get the loud mouth kind of, uh, kind of obnoxious type of character in Chris Tucker, which he's kind of known to play that character from Friday, even uh, dead pres. Uh, the Dead Presidents, um, which is another early 90s film movie that I have seen recently. Uh, but he's kind of the same kind of character throughout every movie he's ever been in. So seeing him teamed up with Jackie Chan, it actually works really well. It's a perfect kind of pairing there. And it, it reminds me of a pairing, not as it's this is more based in com comedic value comedy, but Lethal Weapon has a kind of a an odd pairing. Those that's more dramatic there too. But really cool buddy cop movies. I think both of those movies are on some of my favorite buddy cop movies of all time. And rush hour has a really interesting way. There's some really cool fight sequences here. I really like the, uh, the Chinese restaurant. There's a scene up yeah, upstairs in the Chinese restaurant where you feel, see the big reveal of who the bad guy is the big bad in the movie is, and I'm not going to spoil that here in this review, even though it's 25 years old, but that's a fight sequence. It's really choreographed really well. And it's just done in such a way that it's funny. It's intense. It's action filled, but it's completely Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. They bring their own kind of uniqueness to each fight sequence. Not, not every fight sequence is the same and that helps it not being be stale. I, I feel like in this film, however, they there's a great idea here and I, I really like this first film, especially after this rewatch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I forgot how, uh, how much I really liked the movie. I always liked Rush Hour 2 a little better because I feel like that movie kind of took the lightning in the bottle that this first movie did and kind of went with it and expanded on it. And the humor and the action and all the like the different set pieces paid off so much bigger because of the, what they, the groundwork they laid in this first Rush Hour movie. Now, Brett Ratner does direct this uh, Rush Hour film. Like him or hate him, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk off screen stuff, but Brett Ratner did a really good job directing this movie here. And I thought he did a really good job comparing and showing, uh, pacing this movie, introducing the characters and laying this really interesting groundwork for this franchise that is maybe not, maybe kind of forgotten now. I know a lot of people are clamoring for Rush Hour 4, and I believe it could have just got announced too. So really excited if they ever do Rush Hour 4 to uh, see them back on the big screen because I wasn't a huge fan of Rush Hour 3. Uh, but anyway, the big reveal here with the, their main villain is interesting, especially watching now. I, I knew where it was going and who the, the big bad in the movie was, but back in 99 I, or back in 98, I didn't really know. So it was kind of a shocking reveal. And it plays still plays really well. Some other characters I would definitely want to point out here is Ken Leung, saying i know i'm sorry for mispronouncing his last name but he is a guy we've seen countless number of times i've seen him in saw he played in the film called missing so you can definitely check the review out over here we reviewed that on the ch the channel here so check that out but 
he is a great kind of martial artist is just in his own right. He kind of fights with, with Jackie Chan and he, he is more deadpan than anything. And so Chris Tucker and him have some back and forth there really kind of liked what he was able to bring to this. He's kind of the enforcer character of the, the movie really liked him whenever he pops up. Also, we need to talk about Elizabeth Pena who plays Johnson here. Who's a bomb specialist. She's, supposedly carter's partner but I, I love what movies do this so they introduce johnson here and they say i'm supposed to be your partner you're supposed to take me out with me and carter clearly says in the movie i don't need no partner never going to need no partner i work by myself which whenever they say that in movies you know that they're getting a partner shortly after that and that's what happens and i really thought that was awesome characters i don't really care for the fbi guys obviously they're just trying to make carter look like a fool and give him this kind of bs assignment so the FBI guys are just really kind of just another obstacle in the way of Lee and Carter doing this investigation. They're really by the book, and I don't really care for them. I do like how they get their kind of comeuppance at the very end there at the film. Um, overall, this is a very entertaining film that I loved rewatching. I haven't seen it for many years, so it's just refreshing to have a nice little la couple laughs here, being enthralled with another Jackie Chan movie. I definitely need to see more of his his movies again because there's some big blind spots in his filmography. Looking at you, police story that I haven't seen. Um, we also talk about the statistics, how much um, box office it made as well. It came out September. Uh, 18th, 1998, so just a couple more months before it officially turns 25. The box office was 33, or the budget for the movie was $33 million, and it grossed world uh, worldwide gross was $244.7 million. So made a lot of money there, so no wonder it spawned a franchise, which I'm kind of glad it did. Even though I wasn't a huge fan of the third one, I really liked that second film a lot. I think they were able to do so much, and having the chemistry between Jackie Chan and uh chris tucker it paid really it paid well of course rush hour was a film that really i, I feel like brought jackie chan to the forefront and uh, for a western cinema because i uh, obviously we got shortly after this we got shanghai noon with uh, him and owen wilson teaming up the tuxedo was another one that i could think of with jennifer love hewitt obviously he became very big over here in the states with a lot of his action movies but he was a huge star um overseas as well so I really like seeing these films and want, I definitely need to see more Jackie Chan movies. Now, I always talk about the awards here when I talk about the films. Now, this movie got no Oscar love, which it's not really an Oscar movie, but it did get some interesting nominations here. Let's talk about the Blockbuster Entertainment Award. It actually won for favorite duo in an action comedy with Chris Tucker and uh, Jackie Chan. Makes perfect sense why that would win. It was also a nominee for favorite supporting actress for Elizabeth Pena. Interesting nomination there, but I think it's really well. They definitely could have expanded Pena a little bit more. Kind of criminal that maybe she didn't show up in the second uh, movie uh, as Johnson. But I really like what she was able to bring here for the little amount of screen time that she did have. Kids' Choice Awards did nominate uh, Chris Tucker as their favorite movie actor, which I'm uh, surprising they didn't do that for Jackie Chan. The MTV Movie Awards also named this best on-screen duo for Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Also nominated a Jay-Z song for the uh, Can I Get a... Uh, that was the song for this movie. Also nominated best comedic performance for Chris Tucker and best MTV movie fight nominee for the fight against the Chinese gang with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker in that, 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 that restaurant that I was talking about earlier. So a lot of cool nominations there for rush hour, but what did you guys think about rush hour? Let me know in the comments section down below. If you liked it, liked, loved it, or just didn't really care for it too much. 
let me know down there in the comments. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe for more movie-related content. All right, well, that's my quick thoughts on Rush Hour. I really enjoyed it. I really liked revisiting. I think I have to up my rating to three stars there because uh, I think I have a two and a half. But it, it's a solid film. Really liked how I did this revisit. So let's move on to our next review, and that is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 25 years ago, Johnny Depp took a trip to Las Vegas in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's a trip. Let's start talking about it. You want me to go to Las Vegas at once. Make contact with a Portuguese photographer from Lacerda. As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Yeah. And you'll need the cocaine. What kind of story is this? Because I'm in 400. It's the richest off-road race for motorcycles and dune buggies in the history of organized sport. The race was definitely underway. I had witnessed the start. I was sure of that much. Ready for that? Checking into a Vegas hotel under a phony name with intent to commit capital fraud and a head full of acid. I sure hope so. Strange memories on this nervous night in Las Vegas. Has it been five years? Six? It seems like a lifetime. The kind of peak that never comes again. Lucy paints portraits of Barbara Streisand. God bless. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. I want you to throw that fucking radio into the tub with me. finally broke and rolled back. Welcome back to Almost Side. It was a place for movie conversation. My name is Adam, and today's conversation is going to be an interesting one. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, directed by Terry Gilliam, starring Johnny Depp, and Benicio del Toro, with a bunch of other actors you probably have heard of along the way. Very interesting movie conversation that we're going to have today. So I need you guys to jump in that comment section. Let me know what you guys thought of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe. And also, if you want more content from us that's not on the YouTube channel, make sure you guys check out our podcast. We are streaming on iTunes, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. A Pandora, Anchor, anywhere you type in Almost Sideways Movie Podcast, you will find us there as well. So anyway, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I really don't know how to describe this movie, if I'm being honest. This is a first-time watch for me, and I've been trying to revisit some movies that I hadn't seen. I thought this was an interesting one. Uh, obviously, Johnny Depp was a kind of a hot topic last year, and I wanted to go back and watch some of his movies. And this movie was celebrating an anniversary up to this point, I hadn't really seen too much of his 90s work. I've seen uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Really liked that performance there. But, of course, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, which is also celebrating an anniversary. And I will be talking about that movie sometime this year as well. But Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Very interesting uh, performance. Uh, let's dive into this. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is rated R. And it has an hour and 58-minute runtime. 
And this is a really interesting movie. And I, I really don't know where to start with it because this is my first time watching. I've only watched it the one time, but I already know that this would be a movie that I definitely want to dive more into. I know I talked about that in a recent review of Scarface. I definitely want to do another watch of that movie. However, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is on a different level. It's it, it's super like hypnotic. It has a performance that is some one of my favorites that I've, I've seen in a long time with Johnny Depp there. It's such a trip of a movie where I can't even really think of a synopsis or a plot really that kind of jumps around from scene to scene really fast and they're on drugs so you are kind of disembobulated to what's going on because you feel like even if you're not even on anything you feel like you're on whatever they're taking they're taking a lot of drugs especially the opening sequence where johnny depp and del toro are driving in their car and they're explaining what drugs they're on they open up a suitcase all these uppers and downers and what have you's and whiskeys tequilas all beer all different drugs here and there uh very crazy and you're basically just kind of at the end of the movie you're desensitized with all this different drug use uh very uh crazy and how they were able to capsulate this movie in uh under two hours and basically make the audience kind of feel just a flat fraction of a way that our characters are feeling on screen I mean, I wasn't as paranoid as them, but let's uh, anyway, let's dive into this synopsis. I don't really know where to really, really say about this. So I'm reading it off IMDb. An oddball journalist and a psychopathic lawyer travel to Las Vegas for a series of psychedelic escapades. Pretty much that's uh, a good uh, bookmark, if you will. I know there's definitely sequences where uh, Johnny Depp plays a, a journalist, right? His character's name is Rule Duke, Raul Duke, and his lawyer is played by Benito del Toro, Doctor Gonzo, and they come across different like famous people you've seen uh, countless number of times. The opening sequence has a hitchhiker in it, played by Tobey Maguire. Very interesting to see him pop up for one sequence and. He, he looks completely different. He has like long blonde hair. It's it's definitely it's it's a very interesting take of uh, from Toby Maguire, but it kind of works here. Uh, and we also see other famous people pop up throughout the movie too. I'm kind of going over on IMDb. We see I know Cameron Diaz shows up. We got Mark Harmon from you know CSR NCIS. You got Richard Real. You got. You got Fern Troyer pops up in this. You got Debbie Reynolds pops up in this. You got Gary Busey pops up. Cameron Diaz again, like I said. Uh, you got Flea pops up in here. You got Christopher Maloney. You got Christina Ritchie pops up a couple times. And I'm probably forgetting some people as well, but there's a lot of people, recognizable faces, if you will, that pop up in this movie. And you really don't know how all these people are connected or anything like that, but it's, it plays really well. Like I said, this movie definitely plays with the senses and has a great performance of Johnny Depp. You can feel everything that a guy's on. It's one of my favorite performances that I've ever seen him do. Now, like I said, I wasn't really well first of his 90s performances up to this point in life, but I've only seen like What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And I've probably seen some other ones like Sleepy Hollow, but what I can remember, I've never seen him this good before. Obviously, I think Pirates of the Caribbean is another one he got an Oscar nomination for. We'll talk about that when we're celebrating an anniversary at some point this year. But Johnny Depp is a hot topic issue from the last year and a half, two years maybe. And so rewatching some of his movies, it's definitely interesting to see the career tra 
the career trajectory, ugh, the the career trajectory of that character, uh, of that actor rather, and seeing him with this crazy performance, it's really mesmerizing. I was kind of feeling hypnotic to his performance as the runtime kept going, and every little scene was something different and unique, and he had to hold his own because he looks completely different than any other character he's ever done before. Uh, he's bald in this movie, or has his thinning hairline. He's completely strung out on drugs in every single, every single sequence, and it's mesmerizing what he was able to pull off here. Del Toro is just as good. I don't think he has. He's more psych, psychotic than anything, and he is. He's like in a fat suit or something like that. He has a big old gut in this movie. That's Doctor Gonzo. Uh, very interesting, like back and forth. Because I didn't realize that was Del Toro until like almost thirty minutes in the movie. And I was like, wait a second, that's Del Toro. Like I, I would never imagine that was him because he was kind of transformed in that role as well. And I think the biggest takeaway from this movie is Terry Gilliam has such a, a crazy uh, vision for this movie that really keeps you on your toes. And like I said, I get the mad props to Terry Gilliam because I feel like he truly embodied the drugs that these guys were uh, taking and kind of showed on the screen. I haven't felt this disjointed in a movie in a, uh, about a year now. Last year I watched Mulholland Drive, and I think that's a really good comparison because it, it's completely hypnotic and completely... Uh, kind of messes with the senses in a, in a sense that kind of leaves you mesmerized. And you're kind of just in awe of the screen, like, whoa, what's going on? Because I feel like my mind is getting really messed up right now. I don't think this movie is nearly as good as Mulholland Drive, mind you. I'm not really saying that on any level. But uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, I've never seen this movie Brazil. I know that's one I definitely need to watch that's up there. He did the screenplay of that movie. I'm looking at his filmography, Terry Gilliam's directorial filmography right now. And there's a couple of movies I've seen. The Brothers Grimm from 2005. Um, I'd never seen 12 Monkeys, which came out in 95 as well. The Fisher King was another one that I heard was really good. Um, the Meaning of Life, which is the uh, uh, Monty Python guys, that, that kind of movie there. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was another movie that he directed. That's the only other one that I've really seen. And that's, that's trippy in a whole different way. But he was able to embody. There's some movies that are really kind of interesting in this filmography here. A lot of trippier movies. So I definitely got to check it out because I, I was really impressed with what Terry Gilliam brought to the table in his, this directorial effort here. So I'm mad props to him. I really liked this movie kind of a lot. I'm at three stars out of four for this movie, but let's jump into the uh, release date and box office, all that fun. This movie came out May 22nd, 1998. I'm not expecting this movie to make a whole lot of money. It's just based off the nature of it. it the budget for the movie was $18.5 million, not a whole big budget. It only made a worldwide gross of $10.6 million. So it lost money on this movie. Not surprised. Uh, it's definitely uh, experimental, I feel. And not everybody's cup of tea. It's not going to play well for everybody. But still, a very interesting watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, I, I like IMDb on the app here because it also gives you like the rating and what it's rated for and why it's rated R. Uh, the parents guide is what it's under for, on the on the app here. Uh, I'm just going to go over. The, I've never done this before, but we're going to go over here. Sex nudity, nudity, mild. Uh, violence and gore, mild. Uh, profanity, severe profanity. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking, severe. Duh. Uh, and frightening or intense scenes, severe. 
yeah, there are some definitely intense sequences, especially that, that hypnotic nature, that hypnosis that these characters do go on to with the drug use. Not a whole lot of awards nominations, uh, mind you, no Oscars or Golden Globes here. But the Cannes Film Festival, uh, was, it was, this movie was nominated for the Palme d'Or, d'Or, which is a very good uh, nomination to be in. Because if you do get that, you probably get some Oscar buzz, too. Got nominated there. The Russian Guild of Film Critics also gave this Best Foreign Actor to Johnny Depp. He won for that movie, this movie, so that's awesome. The Stinker's Bad Movie Awards from 1998. Worst on-screen couple was nominated for the Stinker Award for Johnny Depp and Del Toro. Also, Worst Supporting Actor, Peninsula Del Toro, got nominated here. I don't necessarily agree with that, but uh, to each their own, the Stinker Awards. So that's where we're, that's where we're at in our film journey here. So anyway, what did you guys think of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Do you guys like it as much as I did? Is there something that you want to expand on? Let me know in the comments section down below what you guys thought. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe. All right, well, that's my quick thoughts on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. A very trippy movie to watch. I'm so glad I bought that Criterion uh, version of that. Uh, some really good uh, superlatives to go dive into. Johnny Depp was fantastic in this movie. I definitely feel like he's one of my favorite performances of 1998. I definitely got to go back and re uh, kind of rank that kind of stuff now. I feel like that would be interesting to go over at the end of the year, at what my acting awards would be for these categories. But anyway, that's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Let's get into my birthday review. Let's spice up your life with Spice World. 25 years ago, a little movie called Spice World starring the Spice Girls hit theaters. So let's spice up our life. If you're having a good time, let's talk about it. When the world is in trouble, when our future is in danger, we call upon one man. But when he's busy, he calls five girls. Columbia Pictures presents the Spice Girls. All right, we're coming. In their film debut, Victoria, Emma, Mel B, Jerry, and Mel C. They're ready for action. Go, pal! They're dressed to kill. Do I like shaken or stirred? And thoroughly prepared for any encounter. It's a story of love. I think with boys, you should be able to just wheel them in. Yeah, and order them like a pizza. Yeah, no cheese. Compassion. It's really too hot in here. I need a fan. And misunderstanding. When the speeding melon hits the wall. Yeah. It's Christmas for the crows. What did he say? I haven't a clue. There's more like it. This January. Would you like an hors d'oeuvre? No. But I'll have one of these pie things. Make your choice. Oh, I like the blonde one. No, 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 no. Sporty. Rock your world. And spice up your life with the Spice Girls. Spice World. Yeah, but can they act? Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, girl power. Feminism. Do you know what I mean? Welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversations. My name is Adam, and today's conversation is going to be an interesting one. 
It's a movie called Spice World. Now, this is a movie that I went to see with my dad on my birthday weekend. Uh, so my birthday was last weekend. So uh, it definitely something that I had watched with my father in theaters. I remember vividly seeing this movie with my dad. So we're going to dive into our thoughts of Spice World in a second. But let me know what you guys thought. If you guys remember this movie, watching this in theater, or you have memories of watching this, or what do you, what's your favorite song from the Spice Girls, rather? Let me know in the comments section down below. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe by hitting that those buttons as fast as you can. That'd be what uh, would be much appreciated if you guys can do so. And uh, make sure you guys check out our podcast. Full episodes are there on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pandora, Anchor, Type in Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. You'll find us wherever you, where we're at. Spice World came out January 23rd, 1998. It's PG with an hour and 33 hour and 33 minute runtime. It stars the Spice Girls. There's also some other famous actors that we haven't seen before. I rewatched this movie and I was like, oh, I know that guy. Richard D. E. Grant shows up in this movie. Alan Cummings shows up in this uh, movie. We got Elvis Costello. We got um, Elton John pops up. We have James Bond himself. Roger Moore pops up in this movie. I'm sure there's other people in here as well, but uh, really interesting to revisit this movie 25 years ago. Now, my birthday is in February, early February, and I definitely wanted to watch this movie uh, on my birthday with my dad. So my dad asked me every year, like at that time, like, hey, what do you want to go do? I said, I want to go see the Spice World movie. So I was really into Spice Girls. And I was trying to explain to my daughter what the big deal with Spice Girls was back when I was a kid. And I really couldn't draw a comparison, a really good comparison until like I had slept on it. Obviously, BTS is really huge right now, um, but that's not really as international as others. But then I thought of the perfect comparison. One Direction would be pretty spot on. It's a group of five, you know, really attractive people uh, from the UK or London area or Europe, and uh, they've kind of worldwide uh, phenomenon and success. And I remember One Direction is really actually spot on comparison to Spice Girls. I think Spice Girls has definitely um, got more awards and accolades and renown um, with them compared to One Direction. But, you know, I think that's a pretty a good, at least a analogy comparison there. But anyway, back to my dad's story here. So my dad took me out to this Mexican restaurant when I was, uh, I think, eight years old. And I didn't want them to sing happy birthday to me. But of course, he, my dad, me and my dad have to embarrass your kid. He goes over and gets the mariachi band at the time to come over and sing me happy birthday. I was super embarrassed because he wasn't at the table. I was just putting myself there. And I was I was embarrassed. He got beat red in the face. And of course, after dinner was over, we went over to the theater, which is right across the street, to buy our tickets for Spice World. Uh, at the time, there was a couple people in the theater. It wasn't like a sold out show because it's been a couple weeks since the movie released. And I we went down and I, we were going to sit near the back. My dad's like, no, let's sit in the front, in the middle. So the boobs are bigger. And I was like, Dad, stop it. No, that's embarrassing. Really embarrassed the crap out of me. Uh, but I, 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 that's a great memory to have because I, it's completely ingrained in my head. Like I remember seeing this movie with my dad. I remember moments of the movie on playing on the big screen. We'll dive more into that kind of stuff in a second. But it was just definitely a fun time back in 1998 because I watched a lot of movies in theaters with my dad. It was a lot of fun. A little fun to be alive in 98. Because 98 is like one of the years I just have really fond memories of some movies that I watched. But anyway, let's jump into the synopsis of this movie. And I was trying to, you know, think about it. Like there's a lot of stuff that jumps from place to place on this movie. 
there's not really a, <laughs> a story, really. Uh, essentially, there's a live gig at Albert Hall that the Spice Girls are preparing for. So there's a lot of different uh, songs they sing along the way. Uh, as in preparation, they do little vin- little gigs here, there, and what have you. And there's kind of like the relationship between the monks, the the Spice Girls. And you got Mel B as Scary Spice. Or you got Emma Button as Baby Spice. You got Melanie C as Sporty Spice. You got Gary Horner as Ginger and Victoria Beckham as Posh Spice. Uh, growing up, my favorite was Posh Spice or Ginger Spice. I probably would prefer Mel B or Sporty Spice now. Uh, just because those are just watching this movie, I think they were had a they were just cooler in the, in the movie anyway. But trying to figure out, trying to pin the pieces of this uh, synopsis and what the movie's about. Like I said, like they're trying to get to Albert Hall, so they do play a lot of gigs. And there's one tabloid journalist that really wants the Spice Girls not to be as famous as they are, so they try to spoil their their name their be- their good name by hiring this uh, photographer to try to to uh, take bad photos and get bad press for this tabloid journal. I also have Alan Cummings character who's trying to record a documentary about the Spice Girls. And uh, we also get these other people trying to pitch movie ideas to uh, Richard E. Grant's character, who's like their manager to, um, to try to get them to uh, be movie stars as well. You got Roger Moore is the chief, like the head over uh, the overseer of the Spice Girls, which Alan Richard E. Grant reports to uh, really a lot of stuff moving on. It feels like an SNL sketch a lot of the time, but also another good it's get him to the Greek essentially as well with uh, uh, Jonah Hill and uh, um, Russell Brand there, or like Puff Daddy is like the overseer. Like the it's he basically essentially like Roger Moore's character in this movie. A lot of uh, get him to the Greek in here where they basically go into like little little sections of little of the movie. There's not really a whole big synopsis. They're basically trying to get to a venue to play a concert. I feel like Get Him to the Greek has more story, if you believe, can believe that. But on IMDb, the synopsis does read, world-famous pop group, the Spice Girls, zip around London in their luxurious double-decker tour bus having various adventures and performing gigs. That is pretty much what it is. There's, it gets so crazy, in fact. They meet aliens. Aliens. And this is a point that I actually remember quite vividly in the theater. They stop off to pee because the the toilets in their double decker bus are broken and they're in the middle of the woods. So they, all the girls leave their bus to go pee in the woods somehow. Um, and this alien saucer comes down. There's four or five aliens come out and they're big spice girls fans. So they want autographs. And one of them tries to get handsy with uh, scary spice. Yeah. It's a very, <laughs> very trippy and weird. I got to say for sure. Um, I remember that it, it's it's so, so stupid, but it's awesome. Uh, this movie is definitely um, a girl power movie, and uh, it definitely talks about that quite a bit. But I think it's really, uh, really cool and really entertaining. Like I said, I'm nostalgic for this. It it just proves that like a band like this was so popular, they're gonna want they want to make movies about you too. So uh, yeah, Spice Girls. It's not the greatest film. Uh, it's not as you know. I'm not as like in love with it as since I was a kid, but it's really cool to own this movie now. Like I had to track this movie down on Amazon just to kind of find it. Cause I know it wasn't streaming anywhere. And I think I've, I've paid maybe too much for it. it much more than any other DVD in my collection. So it's definitely a prized possession in my, in my collection now because I was like, I got the spice girls movie 
that I used to watch when I was a kid. I used to listen to that soundtrack countless number of times. And I was, I'm, you know, to this day, I still have Spice Girls music, music on my, my, you know, my phone. They pop up every once in a while there too. So it's just a good piece of 90s history, this movie. And again, 25 years ago, this movie came out. Uh, very entertaining, uh, entertaining movie to say the least. Again, like I said, it came out January 23rd, 1998. So uh, just right before my birthday happened. And the budget for this movie is $25 million. It, it was made for $25 million and it, it grossed $29.3 million. So it just barely made its box office back. So it wasn't a box office smash or anything like that. But uh, it, it was still something that I remember seeing in theater at, in Anaheim with my dad. And it was just a good time, good fun memory there to have that I will always cherish for the rest of my life. So I do have Spice Girls on DVD. So pretty exciting stuff there. All right. So we do go into the awards section here. This is going to be interesting to see what it got nominated for. Because I do see it got nominated for 11 awards here. The Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Uh Favorite actress in a comedy nomination for the, for the Spice Girls. They grouped them all in one nomination for Blockbuster. They, they didn't win. They got nominated for this category. The Kids' Choice Award. They got favorite movie actresses for all the Spice Girls again. Did not win for that one. The Razzie Awards. Boo! Uh, Razzie Award. Worst musical of our first 25 years. This, this is Razzie 20, uh, 2005 award shows, by the way. Razzie Award winner for Worst Actresses. They gave them to the Spice Girls on this one. A Razzie Award for Worst Picture. A Razzie nomination for Worst Screen Couple. Any combination of two characters, body parts, or fashion accessories. That's what they that was the nominee for. The Razzie Award for Worst Supporting Actor for Roger Moore. A Razzie Award nomination for Worst Screenplay. Razzie Award nomination for Worst New Star for all the Spice Girls. Razzie Award nomination for worst original song, too much. I think that's a good song. You shut up, Razzie Awards. Uh, the Stinker Awards are back as well. Worst actress winner for them. Uh, worst picture winner, uh, one worst picture there. Nominated for worst scenes, uh, sense of direction. Stop them before they direct again. Bob Spires. Ooh, Bob Spires getting some hate there from the Stinker Awards. And worst song in a motion picture, Spice Up Your Life. That's a great song too. You shut your mouth. Anyway, I'm mad now. So let's just <laughs> let me know in the comments section down below, guys, what you guys thought of Spice World uh, starting the Spice Girls. Do you guys like it? I get, get it. This is more of a guilty pleasure movie than anything. But let me know in the comments section down below, guys. Let me know in the comments section down below what you guys thought of Spice World. Love to have a good conversation down there in the comments section. All right. Well, that's my quick thoughts on Spice World. It was great to go down memory lane. Again, this is my birthday weekend. Happy birthday to me. This episode dropped. Yeah, another year older. Yes, I'm, uh, it's exciting times here in my household. But anyway, uh, really, uh, it was really fun. This is one of my favorite episodes of this year so far. Uh, Spice Girl definitely helped it out. Rush Hour was fun and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas left me mind effed. So really <laughs> excited. Great combination of everything. Uh, next week's episode, it's going to be not as crazy as this week. I'm really excited for two first-time watches next week, guys. We got Inside Lewin Davis, Mud, and we have a revisit of Prisoners. Really excited for next week's episode. So stay tuned. Till next time, I will see you in the next one. Later. Ah!